The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me at this Mother's Day show. I am so happy to be here. I am thrilled that you can be here. Without you, I wouldn't have a show. So thank you so much for tuning in, for your unending support. Uh, Thank you to all of you for all that you do to make me feel like this program is really worthwhile. I would like to say a happy Mother's Day to absolutely everyone. And I was trying hard to think about what I could do for Mother's Day that would be really about the mother. And I was thinking, on this show, we always talk about overcoming the obstacles. And so I mulled over a little bit. What are some of the obstacles to breastfeeding? And it really kind of hit me that often a big piece of that is, well, certainly the myths. That's what we're here for every week is to bust the myths and clarify the facts. But a lot of those myths tend to swirl around sleep, sleep deprivation, babies sleeping, and so forth. And I know that we talked about sleep quite a bit last month with Tracy Castles, but Tracy and I talked about sleep more in a way that is... Um, more general, I guess. And so I was thinking that in that newborn period, the sleep issue is so important. How many mothers have said to me over the years, oh, my baby never sleeps, so I guess I don't have enough milk, so I guess I'll quit breastfeeding. Oh, my baby never sleeps. When is he going to sleep? Blah, 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 blah. And so it really seems to me like this sleep thing can really be a serious obstacle. So, I want to start out with just giving you a few fast facts here about newborns and sleep. So, in the first few days, now we're talking just the first few days here, the newborn sleeps between 16 and 18 hours in a 24-hour period. Now, The important thing about that is not only the total sleep that the baby gets, but how exactly that sleep really stacks up. You're probably familiar with the adult REM sleep. Well, babies have something that they don't call REM. They just call it light sleep, but it's sort of like the adult being in REM sleep. And what we know here is about 50 to 75% of the time that a newborn is sleeping. 
he will be in this light sleep. So, of course, you've probably already figured this out. You're thinking, well, no wonder he wakes up so easily. Mm, yep, you got it. And the next fast fact that I want to give you here is that the amount of sleep that a baby gets in what you might call an episode or a bout of sleep, kind of hard to tell. You know, the experts don't seem to agree on this. World Health Organization, for instance, says about 30 minutes. Other experts and authorities will say as much as four hours. And I will tell you from many, many, many hours of working with newborns as a nurse, I will tell you that there are kids who are awake every 30 minutes and there are kids who are conked out for four hours and everything in between. So I really, I kind of always like it when my clinical experience stacks up with what the research is saying. And particularly when the research is all over the map like that, 30 minutes to four hours. But honestly, I've seen that as well. So I do believe that. Remember, though, this light sleep, this light sleep is going to be a big theme that I'm going to be talking about today. That really means that the babies are spending the bulk of their time in this light sleep. And adults don't do that, by the way. For us, REM sleep is only about two hours of our seven or eight hour sleep at night. So I'm really looking forward to this episode. I hope you are. And there are four things that I think that you will discover as we move through this show. First of all, why newborns have their doggone days and nights mixed up? As related to sleeping, of course. Next thing. How to help your newborn to sleep at night. Next, how you, the mother, how you can get more sleep, even if your newborn doesn't sleep very well at night, which is probably going to happen. And finally, how rooming in and how co-sleeping affect breastfeeding success. So, that's kind of what's on tap. And I'm going to start out with the part about newborns having their days and nights mixed up. You know, I remember years ago asking a friend how things were going now that she was a new mother, and I remember her reply. She said, oh, fine, fine, I'm, I'm, I'm fine, he's fine. It's just that he really has his days and nights mixed up. Okay. Well, of course, you know that she didn't mean that he was having trouble reading the clock, Okay. What she was really saying was that her newborn was awake more during the day than, or excuse me, awake more during the night than he was during the day. So if you're wondering why your baby has his days and nights mixed up, there are some explanations, which, you know, I realize it's not, it's not a panacea for reversing the situation. I get that. But very often, it's helpful for us when we can make sense out of a situation. If you joined me with my show with uh, Hillary J Jacobson a month or two ago, she was talking about how when we can make sense out of it, when we can put the puzzle together, that somehow we're all able to cope better. And I would agree with that. And I think that's true, whether it's about parenting or breastfeeding or going to college or anything else. So... I'm going to give you here four reasons 
for why your newborn has his days and nights mixed up. Well, the first one would be, as I said before, newborns spend at least half of their sleeping time in light sleep. And I want to back up a minute because I want to talk about that word newborn or the technical term is neonate. When people like me use the word newborn or neonate, we're talking about the first 28 days. So I am talking about the newborn, but tonight, more specifically, I'm focusing on those first several days after birth. And by the way, there's more, way more research about the newborn or neonatal period, the first 28 days, substantially less about those first few days. But nonetheless, I'm going to roll some of those things together. Now, newborns absolutely have a very clearly defined sleep-wake um, phases or stages. Uh, they go through this deep sleep, and then they have a light sleep where they spend most of their time. Then they are in a drowsy state, a quiet alert state, an active alert state, and finally a fussy alert state. And by the way, I kind of said that backwards because when you put the baby down, actually he starts out in that quiet alert phase, or excuse me, the active alert phase. Now, by the way, if you're really interested, the March of Dimes has an excellent document that gives photos showing the, the baby in all of these states. And you can really see the, the very different characteristics. And I think that's really cool to look at because it helps you to understand what you're looking at with your baby. But to me, the things that really jump out to me are when newborns like give these little grunts, they give these little, ah, ah, and they kind of squirm a little bit. And they're easily awakened. And if you look very carefully, you'll see that their eyes are kind of moving under their eyelids. So that means that they're in this very uh, uh, active sleep state. And so they'll awaken very easily with environmental stimuli. Lights, noises, diaper changes, anything can move that baby from a sleep state to a waking state. So that's number one. They spend a lot of the time in this light sleep. And number two, unlike a fetus, a newborn sleep state isn't affected by two hormones that you'll be especially interested in, cortisol and melatonin. And this is important. Now, when the baby is in utero, that is, he's a fetus, he has these sleep-wake cycles that are very much regulated by your wake-sleep cycles or state, you, the adult. That's because adults have circadian rhythms, and those circadian rhythms are regulated by two hormones, cortisol and melatonin. Now, the cortisol keeps you in a more alert state, and the melatonin allows you to be in a sleepier state. So when you're pregnant, these hormones pass to the fetus via the umbilical cord. But of course, after the baby's born, uh, the baby doesn't have those hormones coming at him directly. So, you know, in the beginning, it's your body that is governing those two brain-based hormones. And now, once the baby is born... What's really governing his sleep weight is not the brain-based hormones, but rather the gut hormones. And basically, it means feeding, okay? 
He's going to wake up largely when he is hungry. So, number three, then unlike adults, newborn sleep states are not governed by environmental or light dark. That is, again, babies just don't have this circadian rhythm that is regulated by light entering the optic nerve and responding to that environmental light or dark. And, you know, research shows that they develop a circadian rhythm, and certainly the baby should be helped to do that. But in the first several or many days after their birth, their sleep-wake clock is regulated by their gut, not their brain. Here's the next one. Newborns have very short sleep-wake cycles. Unlike adults, newborns do sleep in cycles. When they first fall asleep, they're in an active alert, uh, active sleep state, and then they move to a deep state. And certainly there are variances. I don't know. You know, most most experts will talk about the, the 30 minutes sound the four. It's likely that these babies are hungry or stimulated by the environment and they wake up. Otherwise, they simply enter into another sleep state. So research shows that babies don't move into a clear pattern of circadian rhythms until they're about 12 weeks old. And in the meanwhile, you can use some simple techniques to help you help your baby to fall asleep or go back to sleep. Among my favorite are rocking the baby, using white noise in the background. Um, for instance, a, a bathroom fan provides good white noise, soft music, uh, especially if he recognizes it from his days in utero. And if you want to do something a little fancier, you can learn infant massage, which has been proven to improve baby's sleep states. But most of all, even though the light darkness doesn't govern these so-called circadian rhythms, it is important to help him to develop those abilities, so keep the light out of there. All right, so when we come back, I'm going to talk about how to help your newborn to sleep more at night. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. 
Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Marie Biancuso. I'm here with Born to be Breastfed, where every week, we are busting the myths and clarifying the facts about breastfeeding. Before I go on, and I do absolutely want to talk to you about how to help your newborn to sleep more at night, which is what we're going to be talking about in this segment, I'd just like to tell you that I, at Breastfeeding Outlook, my professional site, uh, we will be running a very, very super, super, super special this month for those people who want to take the IBLCE exam. Now, I am aware that most of you who are listening are mothers, but let me just say that many people who are mothers are the absolute best people to sit for the IBLCE exam. They've had a wonderful experience. They love breastfeeding. They want to help somebody else. They want to become a lactation consultant. And what they might not know is that they need to accumulate 90 credits, and they also might not know that they need to have their 90 credits before they apply to take the exam. And the application for taking the exam is usually some five months or so before they actually sit. So I just want to let you know that if you're interested, we are running our best special of the year. It's this month. And you can go online. It's at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. But if that doesn't work and you want to call us on the phone, that's fine. We're happy to talk to you. Phone number is 703-787-9894. And you're welcome to talk with me or Linda or Heather or whoever answers the phone. We're happy to help you. Uh, We're also running a free webinar. Ooh, that would be tomorrow. All right. So unless you're listening live, that's not going to help you too much. Uh, We run a free webinar called Becoming a Lactation Consultant. We do it every, well, I think every month. Some months we do it twice a month. So if you miss the one tomorrow, no worries. It'll come around. In fact, I think we actually do have two of them this month. Uh, it'll, It'll come again. And all you have to do is shoot us an email or go on our website and sign up. We'll get you in the queue and we'll make sure that you get signed up for that free webinar. We can tell you how to get your IBCLC. 
All right, so we're going to talk about how to help your newborn to sleep more at night. Now, let me just be really, really clear here. Sleep is not optional. It's not optional for adults, and it's most definitely not uh, optional for, for babies. It's very important. If you look at the study by Colombo and Debon, they say, and I quote, the development of a correct sleeping-waking pattern is a key factor in the development of the brain. All right? So sleep is important for babies. So, as I've said before, sleep in the newborn is governed by the gut hormones, largely, in, in the newborn period, certainly, uh, related to hunger and satiety, and really not much at all by those brain-based hormones, the cortisol and the melanin, mel- melatonin. Excuse me. So, certainly, you can help your baby to develop the ability to develop his uh, circadian rhythms, but in the meanwhile, you probably want a few tips to help you to get going on helping your baby to sleep at night. Number one, I've been saying this for years, I think I've gone horse saying, but I'm going to say it again. Interact frequently with your baby during the day. Research has shown over and over and over again the beneficial effects of the mother interacting with the baby. You heard Dia Michaels talk to us about that last week. So in this case specifically, the interaction helps your baby to be stimulated and awake during the day. And it certainly will help him to develop those circadian rhythms. So you can be stroking him, talking to him, changing his diapers. Any of these things are interaction. And there are just a few ways that you can and you should interact with your baby. Number two, keep night feedings brief and to the point and businesslike. No messing around, okay? That's because babies can easily slip into that light sleep that I talked about. It's so typical of the newborn. And if you if the baby has a minimal amount of stimuli, then he can just get his food, be done, go back to sleep. Number three, watch for subtle hunger cues during the day. Now, as I was telling you earlier, babies really have these very short sleep cycles. So, If you see early and subtle hunger cues, you might want to offer your baby your breast during the day now, I'm talking during the day, uh, so that he can stay awake in between those sleep cycles long enough to take a feeding. If so, then he begins to develop that ability to stay awake during the day and have enough food so that he's not ravenously hungry at night. As I used to say when I was working nights, and trust me, I worked many nights, I would tell mothers, you know, look, at if he eats a lot during the day, he's got nothing better to do than close his eyes during the night. Now, he's still going to wake up at least twice if he's a newborn. But nonetheless, at least he's not waking up all the time. Okay. Number four. Breastfeed. Uh-oh. You say, Marie, what a surprise. I'm so surprised you're telling us that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm a big breastfeeding advocate. So, yeah, I'm going to suggest that. But, you know, it's really not about me or my beliefs or what I'm promoting. It's really about what's in the milk. All right? There are at least two components of your milk that contribute to sleep behavior. Because remember now, the baby is much more um, regulated, if you will, by the gut hormones. 
So there are at least two important components that contribute to sleep behavior. First, there's tryptophan. Oh, if you've ever had a big Thanksgiving meal, I've probably had more than I care to admit to. Turkey is so, is a, a food that is very high in tryptophan. And then, of course, you eat too much of it along with all the other stuff that you just got through eating. And what do you want to do? You want to lean back and take a nap. So tryptophan has that uh, sort of sleep-like ability. And human milk has the tryptophan. Your milk has the tryptophan. So this is going to make any of us, adult or newborn, we're going to feel sleepy when we encounter that tryptophan. The second is the DHA. Now, we all know that DHA is in mother's milk. And actually, if you look at a study by, I hope I didn't, don't kill this guy's name, but I think it is Saruku and their colleagues, they showed that the DHA can make the baby sleepy. All right, next, keep the lights low or dim. Yeah, I know. I just finished about explaining the light-dark stimulation. It doesn't govern the uh, circadian rhythms, but the light does provide an environmental stimulus, so you kind of want to avoid uh, anything that is too stimulating. Colombo and Debon say, quote, to protect sleep, it is important to modify the environment. For example, reducing, reducing noise levels, creating a period of semi-darkness, and protecting the infant's face from direct quote, from direct light, unquote. Sorry, <laughs> that was a direct quote, but what I meant was light and then unquote. Okay, next, help your baby to get near sunlight in the window. And better yet, if it's reasonable to take the baby outdoors, try that. A research study by Harrison and colleagues in 2004 showed that babies who got afternoon sunlight slept better at night. Now, these were not necessarily in the first few days, but nonetheless, you know, keep this in mind after you get your baby home. Now, interestingly enough, babies who go outside appear to develop stronger circadian rhythms, presumably because they have exposure to higher light levels. And and that was a study done by Tassai. Uh, I really wish that we had Tracy Castles back here today because I'm sure that she would tell us that it is more appropriate for mammals to be outside. That would be probably what I think she would suggest as a possible explanation. All right, next. Unless you think there's a serious reason to do otherwise, uh, really think about whether or not you want to change the baby's diaper after he's fallen asleep. Remember, once babies start to nod off in that light, light sleep state, they're very easily awakened. So you might want to just let him drift into that deeper sleep and you can change his diaper later. But if you do it now, it's liable to wake him all the way up. You know what I mean by all the way up? All right. Well, what about skin-to-skin contact? Now, I'm a big proponent of skin-to-skin contact because I know it helps the baby to settle down and get some sleep. But I know that many parents are afraid of falling asleep with the baby. I'd like to suggest that if that's your fear, you take a look at what Diana West had to say about safe sleep on a previous show. Now, I'm not here to tell you what to do, and I realize that co-sleeping is very controversial, but here's a quote from a study by Morgan and colleagues, and this was, I thought, a very compelling study. Um, They say, quote, 
Results show a 176% increase in autonomic, uh, by the way, that means um, like stressful activity, and an increase of 86%, excuse me, and an 86% decrease in quiet sleep during maternal neonatal separation compared with skin-to-skin contact. So what I would say to you folks is, my opinion doesn't matter. I hope that the research at least gives you some pause to consider the physiologic effects of separation. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. When we come back, we're going to talk about how you can get more sleep. We'll be right back after this. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding. So let's talk about you. If you're the tired mama, how can you get some more sleep, in those, especially in those first few days? All right. Well, let me just say, before we get into this too deep, I want to nail the two big myths that have been floating around since I wrote my first book. The first myth is that breastfeeding will somehow make you more tired. Now, I started writing my first book in 1995. Uh, It didn't publish until 1998. Uh, But nonetheless, I've been following this literature for more than 20 years now. And I can tell you with certainty, there never was and there still is absolutely no proof that breastfeeding makes a mother more tired. It is just a total myth. Garbage, okay? What's cool, though, is that now we've got a few studies that are showing that actually formula-feeding mothers get less sleep. Now, a really good study was done by Montgomery Downs and colleagues in 2010, 
And they said, and I give you a direct quote here, efforts to encourage women to breastfeed should include information about sleep. Specifically, women should be told that choosing to formula feed does not equate with improved sleep. Unquote. Okay, ding, ding, ding. That's the result of a research study. Again, you know, sometimes when I'm teaching one of my courses to professionals, they say, well, Marie, what's your opinion on whatever? And I say, you know, my opinion doesn't really matter. What really matters is what does the research say? So unquestionably, um, mothers do get less sleep after they have a baby. I don't think there's any question about that. But luckily, their babies start to show some of that circadian rhythm developing about 12 weeks after birth. So that's terrific. But the question is, uh, great, what do you do between birth and 12 weeks? All right, well, let's just, let me go out on a limb here and say, maybe you know every trick in the book for getting your baby to sleep. But the truth is, he's going to awaken, if he's a newborn, if he's a newborn, He's going to awaken at least twice during the night to breastfeed, even if he's otherwise a good little sleeper, all right? So the question is, what can you do to help yourself to get some rest? Here's the number one strategy I would suggest for you, and that is resign yourself to the concept of how much sleep you can get in a 24-hour period rather than how much sleep you can get at night. So, that means you'll need to take the lead in minimizing interruptions during the day. I'm going to be really bold here and suggest that you start taking that initiative while you're in the hospital. It seems to me that there's like this constant parade of people who are doing their tasks. I've been in hospitals long enough to know that there's the birth certificate lady, the hearing test lady, the picture-taking lady, the lab technician, blah, 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 blah. I call them the vampires, by the way. Uh, And that's just to name a few. So you've always got somebody in and out and in and out and in and out. What you can do, however, is to ask your primary nurse or ask the nurse manager if they will put a do not disturb sign on your uh, door and you take a nap and ask them to run interference for you. I know that this seems like a little out there, but there are people who do it, and it's wonderful for them if they do. All right, number two, limit visitors in the hospital. Now, there's only one way this is going to work, all right? It only works if you warn your friends and your family long before you have the baby, because otherwise... What happens is you feel like a witch. They show up. You don't want to kick them out. The nurse doesn't really want to kick them out. You got the idea. But, you know, they mean well, but they might not realize that you just want to close your eyes and you need to close your eyes. You need to take this nap. So you end up feeling obligated to welcome them in and interact with them, but you're really so tired. You don't know if you're coming or going. So, again, I want to tell you, this do not disturb sign is the magic potion here. It's great if the visitors have had forewarning that you don't want to be disturbed, um, but it's really, really hard to turn them away when they're actually there. Okay, so then you're in the next situation, visitors at home. 
All right, I'm going to, again, suggest that you limit visitors at home. If you have unexpected visitors and you're trying to take a nap, ignore the doorbell. If you really can't ignore the doorbell, or if those folks are persistent in ringing or knocking or whatever, then here's my best suggestion. Don't laugh. This really works. Answer the door in your pajamas and your robe. I will almost guarantee that the visitor will say, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. You must have been sleeping. You must be tired. And, you know, usually people feel guilty about interrupting anyone's sleep, certainly a new mother. And so, you know, they see you in your pajamas and your robe and they vamoose. Works well. Here's another one. Consider nursing in a sideline position. Now, I'm almost afraid to suggest this because everyone here in the United States kind of goes nuts at the idea that you might fall asleep with a baby in your bed. I will tell you, however, that if you put a pillow between your knees, you will find that it is pretty much impossible to roll forward onto the baby. If you don't believe me, try this without the baby sometime when you're fully awake and in the bed. Can you roll forward? Probably not. Mothers in many cultures do this in order to get more rest, but I can't tell you what to do. You'll need to decide if it's right for you or not. Okay, next one. Try to minimize night interruptions in the hospital. Ask the nurse to sort of like do all of her stuff in one trip. Now, there are nurses that probably won't do that, but it's worth asking. Uh you know, there are really relatively few tasks that need to be performed exactly on time. So certainly when I worked nights, I tried to mow through all of the tasks that I needed to do when the mom was awake. You know, take her vital signs, check her dressing, check her IV, offer her some water or get her a snack or, or and certainly offer pain medication. So you can help yourself by asking for help to Uh, get up to the bathroom to empty your bladder after you've nursed the baby, or anything else that would make you comfortable. Speak up. Try to, like, knock these things out so that when you put your head on the pillow, you really can go to sleep. All right. Naps. I've sort of implied this, but I want to talk naps, 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 naps. There are stacks, and I mean stacks, of studies that show the benefits of taking a nap. Uh, it, you don't even have to be a postpartum mother to have the benefits of naps. Uh, I'll give you, I'll give you one of my own life, by the way. I very frequently will take a nap before I do this show. Why so? Because research has shown that if you can just get in that light sleep, whatever they call that for adults, sorry, I'm not as good with the verbiage about the adult sleep states, that it will refresh you substantially. And there was one study that I can't think of right now, but what they actually showed was that if you got into a deeper sleep for as little as three minutes, that also was very helpful to you. Uh, They also say that some people will fall asleep in that early phase of sleeping and they will deny that they're asleep. But of course, they know they were asleep because they had them in a sleep lab. Um, I don't know much about sleep lags, but I do know that my husband will sometimes say that about me, that I'm sleeping, and I I say, no, 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 I'm not sleeping. And he's like, yes, dear, yes, you are, you're sleeping. Uh, So naps are hugely important. Don't be afraid 
to ask for a nap. And finally, line up a family member, a friend, or a doula. I'm astonished at how many, many women think that they can have it all and they can do it all. There's just no badge of honor in wearing yourself out. Have somebody come in for a few hours a day while you take a nap. Or even if you don't take a nap, just feed the baby and just relax and just get a little downtime. Do your nails or something. All right? I can tell you that if I had my nails and my hair done, I feel better just because I just feel better. So having a baby, while exhilarating, is also exhausting. So find some ways to help your baby sleep at night and find some ways to help yourself so that you can get more sleep in a 24-hour period. I know, I know that you will be glad if you did it. All right. Now, on the other side of the break, when we come back, I'm going to talk about rooming in, and I'll talk a little bit about post-sleeping. Those are absolutely different, but sometimes that discussion seems to make sense when it goes together. So I will be talking about that and hopefully giving you some, I hope, good insights. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Listening to Born to Be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. 
You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where we bust the myths and clarify the facts. So the first myth that I'm going to bust is that rooming in doesn't matter. Rooming in does matter. It absolutely does matter. There are a number of positive effects about breastfeeding as well as other things. Uh, and then the, I guess the big myth that goes along with this is that rooming in gives mothers less sleep in the hospital. And that also is totally 101% a myth. So myth number one, it doesn't make any difference. There aren't any benefits. That's a myth. Myth number two, mothers will get less sleep if they're rooming in. That's a total myth. All right, so let me first talk a little bit about uh, just improved attachment, which has been shown with mothers who are rooming in with their babies. I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out that if you spend more time with a person in the same room, you're interacting with them, you're getting to know them, and you become more attached to them. You probably remember that when you fell in love, maybe. So... This just seems to make a lot of sense. Uh, the first one that showed uh, the rooming in effect with the attachment, of course, was a classic study by Klaus and, uh, I, I think it was Klaus and Kennel, uh, as early as 1972. But we've had at least three other studies since then that have shown that improvement in attachment. All right, the next one is that if you keep the baby with you rooming in, it will make breastfeeding go easier. There are a number of studies that have shown that mothers who room in with their babies make more milk, they make more milk sooner in the game, and there's a whole flock of them on breastfeeding continuation uh, compared to mothers that have had limited contact with their babies. Now, more recently, there's been... uh, Oh, I'm thinking of the studies by Bystrova, Mathiasen, de Klerk, those guys. Uh, but there are certainly, oh, oh Perez Escamilla was a big one. Um, but there are others as well. There was certainly a classic study by Yamachi and Yamanuchi. That was the one that I used to quote all the time. Uh, that was back in 1990. So this is not new information, not at all. But it's information that the mainstream healthcare professionals just sort of keep ignoring. But it's true. All right? Now, I want to follow up a little bit with this business about if you room in with your baby, you won't get as much sleep. This is totally baloney. That was debunked. That myth was debunked in 1987 by Maureen Keefe and colleagues. And then she did another study, I believe in 1988, where she showed pretty much the same thing. And I I just think it's really important that we don't keep like going around and around and around thinking that uh, just because the baby is in your room, you're going to get less sleep. No, it's just studies just do not prove that. Not at all. Uh, another one that I can think of is Waldenstrom and Svensson. Um, probably because, 
I'm not exactly sure I can explain this, but I've worked a lot of nights and I've noticed that mothers have a certain uneasiness or sometimes they'll wake up just about the time that the baby is waking up. I don't know if this is like, uh, you know, like their mother antenna going off or something, but I think that there's a lot of truth to the idea that you feel reassured uh, if you're in the same room with your baby. Uh, is, uh, in the 19, uh, I'm thinking like 1946 or something like that, uh, which, by the way, is when Rooming In started. Uh, Rooming In, the first Rooming In project was, um, I think it was 1937, actually. And what they actually uh, uh, found was that mothers said, no, I've waited for the baby all this time. Why, why wouldn't I have him with me? Nowadays, we have a very different mentality. We have that mentality of, oh, the baby is out and the nurse is going to take care of me for two days or three days. And yet, I have to tell you, parenting does not start on the third day, all right? Parenting starts pretty much from the time of conception. Your life has been rearranged. So I do want to bust that myth that there is absolutely, positively, no truth to the idea that you're going to get more sleep if the baby is in the central nursery. Uh, I'd also like to say, if you follow the work of Helen Ball, which I tried hard to find out if there was new stuff from Dr. Helen Ball, but actually I really didn't find anything, and I, I, I kind of realized, I emailed uh, Tracy Castles to ask her if she could help me with this, and she pointed out to me that Helen Ball probably isn't going to write about it because Helen Ball lives in a country where they don't have central nurseries. So one of the things that I would ask is, when an entire country can do away with a central nursery, how come we still have central nurseries here in the U.S.? And why is it that we think that central nurseries are so great? Uh, I have never seen any advantage ever in any research study or in my clinical practice showing that central nurseries are, are so great. They're just not. Uh, I would also say that sometimes we get some pushback with a doctor or a nurse or a nurse practitioner or whoever that wants to examine the baby. Uh, okay, fine. That can be done in the mother's room. Yes, I know the lights aren't as good. I got all that. All right. But... The, the baby and the mother, as Niels Bergman often says, are meant to be a single unit. And when we start messing that up, it just doesn't work. Now, there are a number of studies in a number of different countries, and I don't know if I even have time to tell you about all of them, uh, that show that, in fact, breastfeeding, we, we talk about Oh, I wish I could uh, have breastfed my baby longer, but I really couldn't. Okay, well, I'm here to tell you that you might have been able to breastfeed your baby longer if, in fact, you had done rooming in. Uh, there was a, uh, I think, a study in the early 90s by Buxton and colleagues that showed that uh, breastfeeding was more likely to continue past seven days if mothers had rooming in. In the United States, Wright's study showed a correlation between rooming in and longer breastfeeding continuation. 
those were sort of some lower evidence levels, but I'm aware of six quasi-experimental studies that have addressed the effects of rooming in on breastfeeding, and I have been following this literature for more than 20 years now, and I will tell you that there's probably not ever going to be any more of these high-level And by that, I mean experimental or quasi-experimental studies because we've got enough evidence. We've got plenty of evidence. We just keep ignoring the evidence, all right? So we've got Perez Escamilla and Prokianoi and Elander and all of these guys all telling us the same thing, all right? We also know that compared with those mothers who are separated from their newborns, uh, the Swedish mothers... Uh, found that they were breastfeeding past 12 weeks. They were more likely to do that uh, when they had rooming in. Same in Nicaragua, uh, same in Mexico. All right, so this is not this is not just in one country or another. I'd also like to point out that the first one that I was aware of was a study in Japan. Um, it was by Yamanachi, or Yam, excuse me, Yamachi. Uh, showing that the babies actually uh, had better weight gains when the mothers were rooming in 24 hours. Again, I want to point out to you the same old thing. Remember that this is not new information. Not at all. It's just the same old information, and we keep ignoring it. So, those are really my my real main points. Oh, and I, I forgot to tell you another one, which was also Maureen Keefe's study. She showed that the babies who slept in the nursery had more episodes of crying and less caregiver response than the mothers who roomed in. Well, that's no surprise to me. I can tell you that I've worked in a nursery at night. I think I'm pretty fast and pretty efficient. I'm pretty committed to doing a good job. But when you've got all those kids that all need your attention all at once, it's pretty hard to do them all at once. If they're with their mother, the mother can give them the attention they need. Remember, though, if you're the mother, you better be taking a nap during the day. So, um, I think that parents often will perceive rooming in as more of a penalty rather than a privilege, but uh, I think that it's time to really look at the fact that the baby needs to be with the mother and the mother needs to be with the baby. So if it's the whole get my rest thing that's slowing you down, mm, sorry, no evidence to prove that, and my clinical experience doesn't prove that either. Wow, you know, that's all the time we have today. Um, Before we sign off, I'd like to thank you for being here. I'd like to thank you for listening, and I'd like to invite you to come back uh, next week. If you're interested in uh, any books that have been mentioned uh, on our previous show, check out our Amazon store that is at borntobebreastfed.com. And you'll also see that I have a blog there. You might want to read my blog. Feel free to leave a question for me or any of my guests. And remember to like us while you're there. If you're a professional and you're looking for a continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, Remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web, and sometimes in your city. My courses and tons of resources and my blog and a whole bunch more are at my professional site, breastfeedingoutlook.com. Again, that's breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuto, and I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding 
next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.